Super Talk Mississippi media production. This is Jack Hoffman. For nearly 31 years, Tico Steakhouse has been a staple for fine dining in Jackson, Mississippi. I would like to invite you to come experience our family tradition of our hospitality, sizzling steaks, and healthy poured beverages. East County Lime Road in Ridgeland, 601-956-1030. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries. It's how life goes, baby. In a Mississippi minute. That's right. My guest today on In a Mississippi Minute is a fabulous singer songwriter and really amazing entertainer the boy has got game and helps stretch the boundaries of country music in the very best way his music is honest and comes deep from his soul and he's flat out a really really good dude please welcome my brother phil vassar hey phil. hello brother steve nice to talk to you my friend <laughs> you too buddy you too uh, i know that you are a road warrior and I, I, oh, yeah. money says you just got off the road. Uh, you're home back in Nashville for the beginning of the week, and about to to uh, recharge and go again. Yeah, that's what we do usually. We just, uh, you know, we've been on some long runs lately. We don't really ever really do that, but we were just out for three weeks and and three weeks, and then back home for a week, and then you know, Europe for two weeks. So it's just a, it's all good though. I mean, it's really been a busy time, so I guess I can't cannot complain at uh, at this juncture, the stage of my life and my career. So it's really good. Yeah, we're the same age, I think, and uh, and so uh, so. You, you just know, look a lot better than me, Azar. You got to be kidding me. There's no way. Man. <laughs> you hadn't seen me in the morning or at night, or probably when I sleep. But uh, you know, I do. No I do God. soak in formaldehyde, and it does seem to and, and, and use olive oil daily. Is that your secret? I always wondered what it was. <laughs> olive oil, uh, and formaldehyde and olive oil. You know, it's a good. It's a good combination. You know, I was a chemistry yeah, major in college, and I wasn't good at it. But I, uh, maybe I learned that. I don't know. I don't know. That is so funny, man. Yeah, <laughs> you know, but it's good it's good well tell me this so okay so uh give me uh you know so i know you as that road dog you're always working i feel like it comes from not because you have to because you really love it when you play live i mean you exude this excitement that you know i've seen you so many times i've been on the side of stage watching you so many times i've heard you from the bus there's this energy about you this happiness and joy that uh, comes from a place that had to have started at a very young age. So I want to dig back into your past because I love doing that with my guests because I feel I'm like laying on the couch. It's like I'm laying on the couch, Steve. Like it's yeah. I started yeah. This is a this is like a therapy. I like this. Yeah, okay, well, you know, I know. You need a therapist. I, I know that for sure. Uh, <laughs> that is no doubt. Okay, so take me back growing up. Uh, take me back to when you fell in love with it. You know, when you started playing the piano, Obviously, you're a hell of a piano player. You're a great piano player. Uh, besides songwriter and your melodies, they're, they're just so different from everybody else's. So take me back to the beginning. Where did it all start uh, for you? Were you influenced by your mom and dad? Was there a mentor, et cetera? 
Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I grew up in a, in a pretty musical house. You know, my dad was a singer, too, so it was natural for me. My sisters are singers, and, and we just kind of all loved music, and, and different kinds of music, too, you know, and it wasn't just country, or it was, it was rock, blues, you know, country. It was everything, you know, hard metal. My sister was a metalhead, and one of my sisters was a big country, you know, Hank Jr. and George Strait. I mean, so we were all exposed to everything, you know, I mean, from Earth, Wind, and Fire, and then yeah to to hang junior you know so it was uh it was always great i always loved it you know but my dad being a singer too was you know of course i at a young age i, I would listen to you know he was a lover of songs he wasn't a songwriter but he goes you know listen to the song you know and he and he took you know he would play you know jerry butler or you know or some of the you know i mean he was into like malico he was into stacks rec you know all that stuff the beatles he was into everything and and then and then George Jones, so it was kind of an interesting, eclectic mix of stuff, you know. So I think I really appreciate that now more than anything, you know, because I think for you know as a writer, you you pull from all these things subconsciously, as you know, and and you know, yeah. growing up listening to you know those the gospel, and I grew up in church singing, you know, church music, and it was good for me. I mean, I I, I really always was more. Uh, you know, attracted to the singer-songwriter guys, you know, the Tom Petty's and the Elton John, the Billy Joel. And, right. I mean, et cetera, you know, the, the you know, Springsteen and, of course, the Beatles and the Eagles and, you know, stuff like that. I was just always amazed, you know, and then, so it was, uh, that was my, you know, that was my jams. I would listen, and, of course, back then we didn't have, you know, YouTube or, or you had to buy the records and listen to them and, you know, and wait a year to till the next one came out and right you could tell you know you know remember you could tell kind of what they were thinking or what they were doing in their lives you know back, back then you know, it was like you, well you, this one's actually really happy he's in love and then boy the next album he's going through a divorce you could yeah. tell all <laughs> it was like oh boy yeah. you know so you didn't uh, you didn't know what they were eating for breakfast there was a whole lot of mystery mystique about the artistry then and, and uh, so it was really kind of a cool cool deal you know, I love I like it. That. I love it. So, so opposite for me. So, understand this: that all my brothers, I was a fourth of five. My two brothers and my older sister all got guitar lessons, piano lessons, all this. By the time I came along, my parents had always mouth to be. They were working, and they just forgot about me. And it didn't. It didn't take with them. So they weren't. They failed miserably. You know, and it took me sneaking out behind my dad's liquor store and hearing this guy, Eugene Powell, who was in, who was a huge mentor of mine, just loved him. And he would be, right. you know, he was making blues records in the 30s. And I'm pretty right. sure he actually recorded on Malico back in the day. Wow. And so he was amazing. And his, his nickname is Sonny Boy Nelson and, uh, you know, a.k.a. Sonny Boy. And, and uh, man, I've just, I fell in love with that. And just, he, Postman would be hanging out behind the store at the end of the day. And I'd just sit there at 10. So I absorbed it, loved the fact that he was able to talk about his day, what was going on in his life. So my, like you're, like you talk about people, you know, we're talking about. Right the content was what they were going through that year and you'd wait okay here they're going through a divorce now i could it right. was day by day with eugene you know what i mean like right. <laughs> he's feeling pretty good today and now he's not you know <laughs> or right yeah but, exactly but music made him always it was the remedy it was the cure for whatever the right. heck it was and i fell in love with that part of it and i know as a songwriter just knowing you um you go deeper than most uh, you've had to walk a line of because I know how deep you can go, and I love how you've been able to balance hits and at the same time being able to bear your soul. And that's not an easy thing to do. You and I both know that. So, so when you, did you ever consider going to New York or L.A. first? 
before Nashville? Well, you know, I did. I, I did, and I, I liked um, – I just – when I got to Nashville, I just felt like I was home. You know, it was one of those things where uh, the second I pulled into the town, I was just went, wow, this is cool. And, and, and it was way more like home. You know, New York was New York, and L.A. was just – it really is sort of la-la land. You know, you go out there, and everybody's like, oh, man – this is great, dude. You're going to be Elvis, you know, and then they right. never call you back. You <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. I mean, that's L.A., and then that's how I always describe it. It's like everybody's just, you know, blowing sunshine. And then yeah. New York is the opposite. It's like, uh, this sucks. Okay, next. Yeah. You know, yeah. and which I think I really liked better. I appreciated that because it was honesty or, you know, people would say this is, uh, this is good. You know, this could work, this couldn't work. But when I got to Nashville, it was a really cool as you know, the, it's such a creative community, and yeah. and, and uh, even then, back then, it was a lot smaller. It was like a little high. It was like a high school, you know, almost. Right. You know, everybody knew everybody. The songwriters, the musicians, the publishers, and uh, you know, now it's sort of out of hand. I mean, I don't even know anybody here anymore. <laughs> I mean, of course, it's you know, everybody and their mother's a songwriter now. They've come in from all over the place. It's crazy and. You know, so you got eight, ten writers on a song. It's a different time than it used to be. Yeah, yeah, there's not enough money or eight, ten, ten writers on a song. It's not worth the time. That's what I'm saying. Not anymore, you know. It really (laughs) isn't. No, no. And, you know, we we would, um, you know, and then people, of course, now there's track writers, too, that just put together a track or a drum beat, and then they get writer credit. So it's a different, if it's a different thing, you know, I never had to deal with anything like that before. And I really don't now, but which is good, but. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. so I think, you know, the town Nashville itself was just, is a, you know, was a small community and, and everybody really kind of tried to help each other. Yeah. I, mean, I was out. I agree with Vegas. that. Yeah, but don't you think, I mean, everybody was like, man, you know, I can't. And we were talking about that. I was out there in uh, Vegas this week and Reba and Brooks and Dunn, all the guys, we were all just sitting. And, and it was like, you know, it was like, everybody was like, well, you know, I can't do this, but man, I'll tell you what, who can do it. I'll, here's so-and-so's number, do it. And um, <laughs> the guys yeah. are like. Nobody does that anymore. It's like it's like no, no, you don't need that guy. I got, I got. This. Yeah, no, there is a camaraderie that was like, yeah. I mean, it felt like you were you were on a team, you know. And yes. I, I always felt a little bit out. I felt really more comfortable with the songwriters and and songwriters that wrote their own stuff. And right. otherwise, I felt a little bit like uh, there was a certain group that I felt really comfortable with, and a certain group that I felt like I felt like they felt like I was the devil, you know, like, uh, and, and I remember this one show, I'm not going to say the act, but we come out and I'm playing all original stuff and I'm playing this stuff about Mississippi and the Delta and it's very Southern, right. you know, and it's what I do. And then he comes out and goes, well, we're going to play country music and starts out with an ACDC song as his intro. And I'm going like, okay, time out. Can we just call time right. out? You're playing ACDC, right. and I'm talking about, uh, uh, you know, right. September Fields, White as Snow, Amazing Grace Everywhere, and all that stuff, and, and all this. Right. I'm going like, wait, 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 wait. Hey, what part of that is that not country? So um, I know my, my, my take on it all is so different because I was raised in the heart of the land of the blues and rock and roll and gospel. Right. And like, I did do what you did. I played in church as a kid, wrote songs right. for the meditation and until the priest said, you've gone too far. And then I wasn't doing it anymore. But, um, <laughs> you know, but that was that was just sort of the way it w- that it went down. We're with Phil Vassar. Yeah amazing singer songwriter entertainer the man can do it all and he's a brother we're gonna be right back you're in a mississippi man
It's easier than ever to hear Super Talk anywhere. Now you can get Super Talk Mississippi on Amazon Alexa devices. Just go to supertalk.fm slash Alexa to find out more. For news, politics, sports, and the good things happening in Mississippi, the conversation starts here. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. And you are talking to your friend because you're talking to Steve Azar, who who left town, uh, abandoned you all. We are in a Mississippi minute, all 60 of them. My beautiful brother, Phil Vassar, just uh, to me, one of the most outstanding artists that I got to know um, over the years, uh, who I became a fan of, not just a friend. And uh, I love it. Phil, let's go back to piano. You're the only guy. You're the only guy. Still to right. this day, that 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 carries on the airplane on his back a piano, a grand piano. <laughs> so let's. I mean, I love that about you, and it's it's funny that nobody has done it or been able to pull it off. You've got to really be able to entertain sitting at that piano. You know, we think of Elton John and Billy Joel, and there's right. not many great ones. And to me, in country music, you have been the best. And so, what? Why piano? Growing up. Well, you know, I, I don't know. I have no idea. It was just for me. It was the instrument I fell in love with. I started playing little drums, and I started with guitar, and then I heard "Easy Like Sunday Morning," and I, and I was like, "Holy crap! This yeah. is amazing!" You know, so it was the first song I ever learned how to play, and then, and then um, I just, you know, from there it's just been a you know love affair with the piano. It's like I just, you know, I mean, I remember Mark Gray, and I mean, I'm just thinking of some of those guys too. You know, when I was in, I'm just thinking of some of these great, great. Artists, of course, coming out of Mississippi, you know, it's yeah. like the hotbed of soul, rock, country. I mean, it's like you said, it's never been, you talk about a a, a, a ground of uh, amazing music that's come out of there, you know. And, uh, you know, of course, in Virginia, there was way more bluegrass, you know, and there was a lot of that, which, you know, I liked it, you know, but it was, I'm a piano player, you know, that's for guitar players and banjo players and mandolin players. And so it was always, I looked at. You know, but then Bruce Hornsby came along, and I was right. like, "That is—that's what I mean." That guy who sort of incorporated all of that. Too. So to me, Bruce was a big influence. You know, and that was my sign that this can be done, especially in Nashville, which, uh, which as you know, it's—they uh, fought me tooth and nail on it the whole time. They go, you just play—you need to play guitar and wear a hat, <laughs> like everybody, and else. wear a hat. Like, <laughs> exactly. Why do I need to be like everybody else? Yeah, I can see you, you wearing like a beret, but I can't see you wearing anything much different, or a bandana, but I can't see much different than that. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking to Phil yeah, Vassar, amazing American singer, songwriter, entertainer. The man can, he can go, baby, he can go. And, uh, okay, so Phil, let's talk about your writing days, because obviously you started out having hits first, but, mm-hmm. but before you tell me about the hits, you used to own a club. Did you not in Nashville right. that you used to play your own club? I did. Had a restaurant and a nightclub. And of course, I kind of grew up in the restaurant business too, you know. And uh, you know, my dad had one when I was young, and so of course, my dad's advice when I was young he's like, "Don't ever get in the restaurant business. Yeah. Don't ever get in the music business." <laughs> that was the two things he said. So of course, I did both. Yeah. So being being a good son, you know, and yeah, and uh, so so in Nashville we had this. Uh, I was I was playing all these bars, um, a piano, lugging my piano from club to club, yeah. and I. And I really kind of gotten this great following, you know, and it was just sort of the only thing. It was like in Hickory Hollow and some of these things. I'd play Friday nights, Saturday nights, and, and, I mean, we just, you know, I just had a, it was me solo. I had a drum machine playing, and it was just one of those things, man. It was working. 
and and uh, it was just uh, and I'd play all my I'd play my songs I'd play you know Buffett and and Van Morrison or whatever Elvis I'd play everything um, I could play Billy Joel and John Jackson Brown you know Tom Petty anything that you know people would put in, money in my tip jar for you know and, right and then uh, ended up there's this opportunity there was this vacant hotel on Bell Road right down there and and, uh, and they were just trying to they were literally giving it away nobody would. Nobody wanted to do anything with it, so I had a Which is mind. different from now, by the way, right? Of course, of course. Now, <laughs> yeah. Now in Nashville, you can't find him, or you can't find anything. <laughs> you know, he's a. You know, he had. A, he was a great cook and a chef, and I said, well, you know, you could do this. We could do the restaurant, and you could do the. You know, you could do the restaurant. I'll do the nightclub downstairs. So we, you know, went down there, and you, know, you just beat walls around and move stuff around, and kind of came up with this cool, cool bar. It was like, Tavern underground had a friend of mine sort of uh, put this graffiti paint on the walls, and it was just really this this raw thing, and put a PA in there, and then Mandel and all those guys and Chuck, and I had a band, I had a great band, and then everybody would come in and sit in with me, and um, you know a lot of the writers, I mean Wiseman would come in and play drums, I mean it was awesome. So I did that for for you know for several years, for years, you know, and then uh, and it was funny, Steve, because I was uh, I was you know for the first like two months or three months, I was also the breakfast cook. Come we, on. we were open for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So, what did you make? So I, had to be, so I, I need to know what you yeah. made. What did I miss? Oh, man, I can make I can make a mean anything for breakfast, for sure. I mean, after that, I'm out of my league, you know. But, <laughs> but, it, was, uh, but it was awesome because I would, uh, I would cook from 6 to 10 Come on. in the morning. Like that. Well, did you Four go hours, to sleep? Yeah. Did you go to sleep or you stayed up and then went to sleep Never. during the day? Never, man. I didn't sleep for years doing yeah. that whole deal. So I the get first, that. You know, so... So we did that, and then I would go straight to writing appointments, man. So everybody goes, man, you smell like bacon. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I probably do. I love but it. That's what I do. It was great. And then I would write all day long, and then I'd come back to the restaurant, and then, you know, and I'd get back up in the morning. So, I mean, for years, I just didn't sleep. I mean, I'd play at night. and um, So it was a lot of fun. But we, we uh, you know, right about that time, you know, of course, my I started having a lot of hits as a writer, and, and my partner just wanted to buy me out and then that was it so i went straight from playing the last night at my place in antioch to to uh opening the uh the first soul to soul tour with tim and faith like in 2000 so wow so then there it goes but all that all that to that and you know there's there's worse things that you can smell like than bacon bacon i mean they should make cologne out of bacon you know i love me some bacon it was unbelievable just wrap me in bacon and send me away i mean you know what i'm saying (laughs) i love bacon i gotta tell you i got bacon in a lot of my songs i just there's something about it that i've uh i grew up you know my mom actually said that i asked her i said why do i like bacon it makes me feel good you know when i'm not feeling great and she goes well i gotta tell you when i was pregnant with you the only thing i could eat that made me feel good were bacon sandwiches with a little mayo and that was it. You're kidding. And that's my favorite thing. And I said, well, man, I was. I guess it has something to do with it. You know, we're, we're with Bill Bassett and we're funny. talking bacon now. I like it. Okay, so wait a minute. First hit, was it with Jody Messina? Was it, was it Bye Bye? Was it I'm All Right? Which one was your first big hit? The first number one song I ever had was a, was a, a Colin Ray song called Little Red Rodeo. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd had a couple of things come out that didn't do anything really. And then all of a sudden, you know, Rodeo, Bye Bye, I'm All Right you know 30 years all that stuff kind of came out at the same time and then i got my deal and then carlene came out and so it was it was all that was going on all at one time so it was a yeah. bunch of the, the alan jackson stuff and um you know whatever it was it was just it was literally just a it's feast or famine Nashville. sometimes you know it's like it was like 
And it was like the, the, the gates open, and it was like, here you go. I was like, whoa. This is what separates you, I think, from everybody, too. First of all, let's get back to the piano. You know, anytime I can't play piano, but I wrote Waiting on Joe on piano, and I've had some other songs. And what it right. did was it, it changed everything melodically that I was used to doing. And right. you, this is why I feel like when you hear a Phil Vassar song, you know it's yours because, or if anybody's singing it, they 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 can't take take away the fact of where it was born. That to me, with the piano, allowed you to to be able to really chase melodies naturally. You know, like organically, it just happens that you don't right. do on guitar. And it's just and it's just an interesting thing how sometimes I just got to get away. As bad as I play piano, you would actually say, Steve, you need to move, step away from the piano. And, <laughs> would and, not, man. and you would have some sort of weapon if I didn't, and it would be bad. <laughs> but but I do love tinkering, and yeah. it does take me to places. You know, even when you're tuning guitars, people a lot of people go, what is that tune? Why are you? Why is your whole finger on one chord? You know, an open E and drop down D, and you know right. all these things because it changes everything. As far as right, the writer's exactly. concerned, it puts you in a different spirit, a different mood. We're talking to Phil Vassar, who's one of my favorite artists and songwriters that um, that I that of my recollection uh, recollection of the last twenty years that or the twenty years I spent in Nashville, plus the last seven I've been back home in the Mississippi Delta celebrating the traffic, such as there was a, a case tractor the other day on the road that was in my way, but that was all right. Dude, and I want to get back. You got to get me down to Mississippi. Come so on, we it. would love to have you here. Are you kidding me? You need to we hear my love song it. called Mississippi on my new album. It's pretty rocking. Dude. All right, let's it's talk about your new song called Mississippi. Doing a show. We were doing a show down there actually in Philadelphia, and then uh, you know that big uh, yeah big fair deal. And, and anyway, there was this Neshoba County Fair. Front. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So real quick before you tell me about that, when I was a kid growing up, I closed that Neshoba County Fair out every year on the rock stage, and Faith Hill would be in the front. <laughs> so when we were kids, so that's that's how far back I go to the Neshoba County Fair. It's wild. So it's continue the on. Funnest dude ever, yeah. man. It's yeah. so much fun. It's funny because, you know, Faith and Timber, live, they are my neighbors, you know. They live up the street. Of course, their house is bigger. But yeah. um, but it, my dog would always run away, my dog Zach, and he'd run over to their house. Like, yeah, he knew where to go. feeding steak or something over there? Yeah, yeah, there. yeah. Bacon versus steak. All right, real quick. So go back to Mississippi. I threw you, which is what I usually do. But anyway, this song, this particular song, goes a girl. She was just a really pretty girl, just, you know, as Mississippi girls are anyway. But it's... Yeah. Uh, she had this little hat on, and she was like a hippie, and she was singing all the words to my songs, and I was like, man, it just kind of came out of that. But it's a really, really rocking song. I, I love it. I think you'd get a kick out of that oh, one. It's I, really one of, the, one of the better ones on the record. I, think. I can't wait to hear it. We're talking to Phil Vassar, the great Phil Vassar. I'm Steve Azar. You are in a Mississippi Minute. Phil, before we go into a break, speaking of Mississippi, we are the birthplace of American music, and we celebrate that. So tell me, do you want to hear a little Elvis Presley or the North Mississippi All-Stars? Dude, I, you know what? Anytime I can hear some, I, I just did a whole Elvis Presley special on uh, on, on Sirius, and I, so I, I, anytime I can hear some Elvis, man, I'm all. I mean, Mississippi All Stars are great too, bro. Yeah, uh, so, Cody and Luther, you, you guys have been outmatched. No, 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 I get it. Well, Cody and Luther. Can we play them both? Can we play them both? Yeah, what the heck? We'll play them. We'll play one out of the break and one into the break, and uh, and you are in a Mississippi minute. Stand by. You're the devil in disguise, or yes, you are. Feeling down? 
Here's your prescription for a daily dose of good news and positive vibes. Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Every afternoon, Rebecca highlights all the good things happening right here in the state you call home. Daily exposure to good things with Rebecca Turner may cause smiling, feelings of positivity, happiness, and even laughter. When you experience these symptoms, tell your friends to listen. Okay. Weekdays starting at 2 p.m. here on Super Talk Mississippi and now on Amazon Alexa devices. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey everybody. What's up? Phil Vassar is singing in the background. I love it. I am Steve Azar. You are in a Mississippi Minute. I uh, love my guest today. I love all my guests, but this one uh, just, uh, you know, he stands out in so many different ways of getting to do it his way. Uh, and uh, I just think that's so cool and how much he loves to tour, and rightly so. So I've always felt like, Phil, Entertainer of the Year needs to be some – got to look deeper into the numbers and, and all that. You have to look deeper into the people that are out there that are really working hard. And have you ever been up for Entertainer of the Year? Please tell me like 10. Well, never, of course, you know, because I, I don't know. I think – and I never could understand, you know, the, what the – parameters were for that but i think it's how many tickets you're selling and uh but i mean as you know i mean guys like alan who's an awesome alan jackson is probably my one of my favorite yeah i love alan ever but it's not like i'd say alan jackson is the greatest entertainer of all time you know so i don't know you know but he would sell tickets and he'd get it and and uh but you know like kenny like chesley man that guy is he's a great entertainer you know right. or or even you know some of these guys that you know aldine or whoever they put on these great shows and and I, so i never could quite understand why what that all meant. That's kind of an awards thing. But I remember when, um, and you and I know, of course, Neil McCoy really well. Right. And, and of course, you talk about a guy that can entertain. You know, he was always such a great entertainer, you know. And I remember when they used to have the Music City Awards. <clears throat> he would win that Entertainer of the Year every year. And everybody was like, well, because he really was a great entertainer, you know. and Always and, great uh, entertainer. And was known for that. I mean, like really known for making that effort. Yeah, nobody ever wanted to follow Neil McCoy. Ever. No, no. <laughs> no. I mean, if it was a big act, they were like, well, I'm not following Neil McCoy. Right. <laughs> you know, and so it was, uh, so anyway, I don't know what that's all about, but these award shows are kind of, you know, who's got the, who's paying who, I guess. I don't know. You have to tell me. You're smarter than me. Well, no, I'm not smarter at all. That's, uh, but, but I can tell you that I do feel like that a lot of times award shows, we're going to be honest, uh, are, are based on, um, yeah, like you said, numbers and and the managers that are working the hardest or the publicists that have, you know, oh, I mean, come on, it's a game. And um, I do know that I love seeing what Chris Stapleton's doing, and uh, and that's so cool to me. And I know it's right. cool to you, but I don't know if you can have have Grammy-winning album of the year and it be Bonnie Raitt's nick of time if she only sold 50,000 records by the time that happened. I don't know if right. they're paying attention like they were to great art like Beck. And, and looking back in time at people that really changed things and made these incredible records and uh, the, the uh, voting members really took pride in that. Now it's gotten to be a little bit more of a game to me. And I just don't think yeah. we'll see that ever again. And, and maybe well, it's, we a, it's, a, it's like you said, it's a popularity contest more right. than anything. And right. I thought about the, I mean, like you just brought up Nick Time. I listened to that record like this weekend. Yeah, great record. Are you kidding? I mean, Bonnie Raitt was, I mean, can anybody, is anybody better than that? I no, mean, and listen, and think about that. This was a record that was basically a gift that the new guy came in to be president, and he said, well, I, I just knew she was going to make a great record, and they gave her a little budget, and she had already had 
so many starts and finishes. It wasn't working. Right. It wasn't working in the commercial sense. She was always amazing. But finally, right. they did this record. And, I mean, it just sort of took its own. Obviously, they worked hard, but uh, the label, but the bottom line is just don't see it happening today. We're talking to Phil Vassar. We're figuring out all sorts of award show, the prowess of it all, the, uh, <laughs> the, the behind the scenes. Okay, Phil, let's go to one of my, my favorite songs uh, that you ever wrote. Well, it's, it's, it's it for me. American Child. I just love this record. I, I can see the video right now. I can see the field. I can see the little girl. You know what I mean? Uh, and was the little girl. My daughter, daughter, Ailey. Okay. So same time you had American Child was about when I had Waiting on Joe and I had my son Strack in it. So, yeah. So we were sort of, we were sort of about, we were thinking the same way. Uh, I was yep. on a dusty field coming out of an old church in the Delta and you were in, you were in this, be- she was in this beautiful field of wheat, song. it looked like, right? It really was, yeah. It was it was a it was a beautiful day. It's so funny because Haley's nineteen. Yeah, I know. She got her own record deal in New York City, and it's just amazing. So, oh wow, uh, I, I I want to hear more about that. But take me through American yeah. Child right now. Where were you in your head? Where were you not in your head? Uh, uh, like you said, subconsciously, sometimes that's where absolutely the great ones come from. So what what well, was going on? A lot of stuff was going nine eleven. I mean, of course, you know, I have daughters. You know, I have just girls, and then uh, and my mother, my grandmother. You know, I I really have a, my dad. Died way, 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 way back. So it's just like it was just my mother, my grandmother, my sisters, my nieces, my daughters. I'm the only man in my family. Yeah, at all. that's right. amazing. You know, American Child kind of came out of I was, I was thinking about my daughter and, and you know, and, and what happened was we basically were sitting in my office and my grandfather was he was killed in World War Two in, in Belgium. So anyway, mm-hmm. there's this flag and my dad was a Marine. So there was a flag. She was asking me all these questions and looking through my my book of pictures and she was asking me all this stuff and, and I said, well, <laughs> of course, what if, that's what a three-year-old does. So I was trying to explain to her what was up and this American flag and blah, blah, blah. And so I thought, man, this is a cool, this would be a cool idea for a song. And, and, um, so anyway, that, it just came out of that. And, you know, and, uh, I just sort of wrote the story about me. One of the pictures was me sitting on the front porch with my little league outfit on, you know, with my secondhand right. glove and, you know, it, it was it was that kind of thing, and it was really kind of a hard song. It was a waltz, so I mean, really, we really had a hard time at radio with that song. I mean, I think we it went to like number two or something with it, but it was it was tough getting it that high, you know, because they were fighting it. Yeah, well, there's just something about As you know. Yeah, I, well, I do, but I mean, it's uh, it impacted it impa- everybody. Here's the th- cool thing about that: the fight was worth it because every that that song was carried by every listener that ever heard it. I believe that. I believe every single person that ever heard that song, if you listened to it, it 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 did only one thing: it 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 moved you. And so it, it you. I'm stuttering here. You had uh, people on your side because the more people that had time to listen, and you and I know the game of of getting the song up the charts, and you try not to lose right. your bullet and keep more spins and last right. week, and, and then, then don't lose a market that was came in on early, and you got a new one coming right. in late, and you're juggling all that, and the meanwhile you're fighting Alan Jackson and George Strait. So exactly. So, Which but exactly I, there's an example of a song doing its thing. Uh, we've all been told you write a great one, um, it'll fight. You know, it, it, it makes its way through all the noise. And I just think that that was a, a perfect example. And I, I think it epitomizes you. You bring up an interesting point of, of your daughter sitting there asking questions. I, I feel like 
that you that we as artists get better you know i was worried when i got married uh, am i gonna lose some edge when i got well i wasn't married but my family was like is he gonna lose right. his edge he's gonna quit is he gonna you know right. and then when i had kids i became focused it right. songs started to matter and maybe right. that's because of where we were in nashville and we had to live some serious life and be threatened of the existence of making music and when I had kids, man, I, I really locked in, and I didn't sleep. So for me, I had Rafe Van Hoy, and you knew Rafe. Rafe was an amazing songwriter, but he had foil on his windows, right? And foil, and, and, and that meant he didn't get up till 3. And he was married to this girl, Tanya Smith Van Hoy, who was an amazing piano player, B3, more B3 player artist from Tasmania, Australia. And so wow. I would go to his house, and I would write. And I'd get there at three, and then he would look at me, and we'd be recording and all that. He'd look at me at 11 at night, and sometimes would turn around and go, hey, like he just woke up, like I just got there. I'd already been there eight <laughs> hours. Well, I've got, we've got our third child on the way, Cecilia, mm -hmm. our, our baby girl, and I'm going like, oh my God, I'm gonna be up till four again. But I gotta tell you, it was invigorating, because I could get up at 6.30 and change diapers or help out, because I knew that we were onto something, and I didn't right. need sleep stinking sleep yeah. you know at that time so we're talking to phil vassar and i'm sharing stories and you're sharing stories and i love it man this is great this is great yeah this great is topic. it's a nutty nutty interview uh session that i that i do and i like it coming home you get more than uh you're bargained to get that i was bargained to get my kids got that delta soul in them and and i love that i feel like it helped focus them and and oh, uh, yeah. and it gave him something that I had, which was uh, this, you know, this Mississippi thing. So I felt like it would help them, and and I really do feel like it helped identify who they are now, and and I, I think it's going to impact them for forever, actually. Even though they were born oh, and raised in Nashville most of the way. How old are they now, Steve? -O? We're talking twenty-two. He graduates. Uh, oldest is a filmmaker. Um, spent a lot of time with Marcel when he was like thirteen and fourteen. Right. And, oh, yeah. And Marcel, uh, he would help him. And we had a neighbor uh, named David Perez, who was a pastor that went to USC film school. He was my next door neighbor. And wow. he worked with him. And Strack has won awards. He's been he's in he's got this crazy almost like is his own version of being a Cohen brother. But he's totally different. And um, so he's <laughs> going to make films and he's going to be living in L.A. And middle son's going to hopefully be a doctor. He was a good hooper. And our daughter's in the culinary thing. She's all locked in. So uh, it's oh going to be God, good, man. Awesome. How about your kids? And they're awesome, man. I got still Presley's 14, and she's a dancer. And my daughter Haley's up in uh, New York now doing doing school and uh, and making records. And, and actually, at this point, she's writer. You know, so she's she's pretty amazing singer-songwriter herself. So it's pretty... It's pretty awesome just to see that passion kind of come out in your kids. And, oh, there's nothing you know, better. So it's she loves New York City too, so she's there. And I was just uh, out in LA for a week with her too, doing some stuff and some writing. And so it's fun to write with your daughter. Now we're, we're recording our songs. I love it. I love it. I've been able to work with our son Strack a lot in the whole film thing and all that. And I learn from him. He actually pushes me. And now I know what some of the older writers like. When I used to write with Roger Murrah, who had, who is already songwriter of the yeah. decade. You know, I know right. why he wanted to write with us younger guys back then because we offered a different perspective. I am with the great Bill Vassar. I'm Steve Azar. You are in a Mississippi Minute. We'll be right back.
For every sport of every kind Tune in here where you will find Head to Head Radio Weekday afternoon starting at 3 Here on Super Talk Mississippi And now on Amazon Alexa devices Okay In a Mississippi Minute With Steve Azar Right here on Super Talk Mississippi Everybody, hey, hey, hey. team, team, team out there. This is Steve Azar, and I'm having a wild time with my brother Phil Vassar. He is in Nashville. He's up, see that? He's in Nashville. Probably going to make some bacon when we get off the phone. We got him all hungry. And uh, and we are talking uh, music, life. Hey, Phil, so tell me about your last album. Uh, when did it ship? Uh, how can people get it? Give me the scope, scoop. Well, the record came out this past summer. It's uh, it's called American Soul um, Summer, actually. Edition. It's got 16 new songs, which is kind of fun. You know, everybody thinks that you know you don't hear you on the radio anymore that you stop writing and everything else. But this is. Uh, I mean, I, you know, of course, I think I'm writing better than I ever have. And yeah. And um, and I, I actually have a new record coming out in uh, um, this month in, in the United in the UK also. So I'm over there doing bunch of shows to support the new record over there so it's uh it's really cool to have new music and and i'm just trying to you know, now with, with the labels they were always telling you when you could re- you know record when you could write when you right. could, you know release rec you know singles or this it's like for now you know we have the ability to sort of make our own records and release them whenever we want and and do videos and do all that <laughs> it's not remember we used to spend a hundred thousand dollars on videos and Right. You know, now you yeah, can we spend, did. You know, as you know, with your son, you, he, he knows how to do it for nothing. Yeah, you know? I break the child <laughs> labor laws all the time with him, which is all right. Which is all right because he uh, he likes he does it he does things for his dad. So I do love that. Well, he you know he's just and he knows how to do it. You know yeah. that's the thing. And I think what, what I've learned too with my of course the kids are so technical. My fourteen year old can make a movie on her this or iPads and you know Mac this. It's just so crazy what they can do. I'm like, how did you do that? She goes, Oh, it's easy, Dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I know, because they've been raised just, I mean, it's amazing, absolutely amazing. Hey, Phil, I want to talk about, uh, and I don't want to, you, you brought up Vegas earlier. You and I both have played uh, in that same location where mm-hmm. where it all went down. I sure don't like to bring it up much, but I do, uh, uh, that one really struck a chord with me. Um, it, it, that was uh, difficult to watch. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Where were you? Uh, you weren't there. You weren't performing that night, were you there? I wasn't. I wasn't. You know, of course, I had a bunch of my friends who are there, right. and, and your friends. And yeah. So I mean, it's just uh, it's just weird. You know, the you know things are out of hand. I, I don't quite understand a lot of it. And I, of course, I'm I'm not a politician. And that's the last thing I, I want to delve into. But of course, you know, I I have kids. You have kids. We're all you know. We just want you know our families to be safe. And and uh, you know and uh, but you know we're dealing with a lot of people that are you know, really sick out there that have the opportunity to you yeah. know, carry machine guns around. So I don't, I don't understand all that, you know? And well, so I don't understand the, 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 the lack of compassion, uh, for other human beings. Uh, I don't understand the, uh, where that comes from. Where, where does it, how does it happen that you want to hurt other people? Uh, and, and not only hurt those people, you know, destroy their families and, and the, I mean, you think about being a parent. I mean, you really don't understand what it's like to love a child until you have one. And, you know, oh, when you, yeah, when no you are a child, it. you're looking at your parents like you're, you know, whatever. They don't get it until they have children. Right. And so right. it's just it's it's hard to swallow. We even had a, a gig in Chicago. We were going to play uh, 
uh, outside and uh, they were they were just too worried about it so we moved everything inside I mean, it affected it I never thought that it would affect it that way but it was brought up and it was just it was too much worry so we we said look we'll play inside it's fine but it was like something I was really looking right. forward to I've got this crazy new band a lot of BB's guys and one of Elvis's and one of little Milton's and so uh, wow. we're touring together Steve Azar and the King's Men and it was a record that I wrote when I was here alone I just needed to be alone you know and yeah. so we've had a lot of fun, but, uh, you know, we want to keep playing outside. I'm with Phil Vassar. Right. I am with Phil Vassar. Yeah. He's wandering through the house because I've been there. And I'm telling you right now, he stares at his piano. He's thinking about what he's going to eat. He's trying to figure out what's going on. And he's moving and he's thinking and he's brilliant. And yep. I, I really can't thank you enough for, for taking the time to uh, to be on the show. I know this. all my friends are going, Steve, now what are you doing? What 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 are you doing? <laughs> What are I love you doing? It, man. I think it's great. You're great at it. Well, great. You're making your runs to Europe. You're going to come back. When's this uh, this record? When's it When's it ship? Well, the new one is is uh, end of April, and uh, that's what we're we're doing all that over there and in, in the UK. And then you know we're just uh, you know my my songs from the cellar, my TV show is going to start airing on PBS, which is the end of April. Oh, tell uh, us about that real quick. Yeah, that's uh, you know, man, it's just about songwriters. It's it's singer songwriters I've had on my show. I do it for my wine cellar at my house, and wow. you know, I've had Peter Frampton and Tommy Shaw from Sticks and Rich, and I've had Mike Tyson, Carrot. I mean, it's a very diverse kind of thing, you know, events and I love um, it. Some of the new guys, but yeah, we're doing that, and uh, and uh, God, I mean, I've had Steve Cropper, of course, and yeah, Crop's you know, great. Some of the great Hall of Famers, Tony Rada, Mike Reed, and Steele and Wiseman, and so. So it's kind of a neat thing. I always try to feature a Hall of Fame songwriter every week, you know, guys like that, and then Paul Williams and Mac Davis, and and then, um, you know, guys like, you know, Tommy Shaw and Sticks, and we sing together, we do songs, Peter Franson, and, um, you know, a bunch of those guys. You know, Okay, so, so really it's going to air on PBS, Phil? Yeah, PBS, and I don't know exactly the release dates. For, it's the end of... Uh, End of next month, May. I can't remember. So I uh, love it. What what a great idea! I love it. I think it's great. You don't have to leave your house. You can actually stay in your pajamas or your boxers. Best or whatever job I've it is. ever had, bro. It's like the coolest thing ever. I love <laughs> it. I love it. You roll out of bed and get and get to work, and you get to hang out with some people that you really admire. We have been in a Mississippi minute, all sixty of them. Love you, brother Steve. Thanks, man. Hey, buddy, you're the best. Thank you so much. I'm Steve Azar in a Mississippi minute. All 60 of them, where you can take your sweet time. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.